Um, y'all want to get into the Word? Amen. Amen. Let's get into it. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Uh, last week I started talking on this. I wasn't planning on doing this last week, but the Lord led me uh, quickly uh, right as I was walking out of the door last week to go back into some sonship teaching. Uh, and we did that last week. We just kind of touched on it a little bit. We, we touched on some things. And, and uh, so this week, I, I really feel a strong pull in my spirit to just kind of finish it up and, and just give you some points that I feel like last week we, we were so pushing in one direction we didn't get to, and I want to make sure that I get them today. So Romans 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Sons of God. So let's say that again. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? The sons of God, for you have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, say fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And we do this a lot, so y'all just roll with me. You're heirs of who? Come on now, we're heirs of? Joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of who? Joint heirs with which means he came to show you the manuscript on how you're supposed to walk this word out instead of falling on your face in tears every time something happens and begging Jesus to fix it when he hung on the cross to give you the power to walk in it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. The, the truth is, is you have been given everything you need to walk it out. The problem is, is we, haven't, we haven't fully submitted ourselves to the word and settled into what he's called us to. Now, we're going to talk about those today because i got a couple points we need to make. Uh, but let's move on right here. Uh, verse 17, If the children, then heirs and heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, which means if he do it, did it, we can do it, correct? All right, for 18, For I reckon, Jesus was from Jasper, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in who? Us, for the earnest expectation of the creature or creation, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God, which actually can be saying he's waiting for the manifestation of us to have Jesus on us and do what he said. Verse 20, for the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason. Say reason. Reason. Unless we're going to hang our hat right here. Reasoning is the absolute most dangerous thing to do in the body of Christ. Which means you're sitting around trying to think, boy, if I just do this and if I just invest in that or if I just say this, you're putting yourself in a situation where you're trying to use your human intellect and reasoning to step over into something that God never called you to. You, you figure it's a good idea. Hey, that's, a, that's something that, that'll work. That's something, maybe this will work. Maybe this investment will work. Maybe if I buy this car. Listen, do you know that God cares about what car you buy? He does. He cares about what clothes you wear. I, I, I told you all this story before, but it needs to be told again. I was at Brother Copeland's minister's conference years ago. Uh, it's been almost eight years now. And uh, it was the first time I'd been there. And Brother Copeland told this story about uh, uh, believing God for what socks to wear. And I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And literally, I looked at April. I said, that's just stupid. And, and she, of course, April is not going to acknowledge any of my idiocy, especially in a church service. She's going to keep looking straight like I don't even breathe, you know, just... She said, focus on the word. And the Lord began to talk to me about that. And he said, you, you really need to not dismiss this. So when I got home, I said, you know what? I, I'm, not a, I'm not a minister worshiper. I don't worship Brother Copeland. I don't worship Tracy Harris. I don't worship Dean Sykes. These are all friends of mine. I don't worship them. However, they have wisdom I don't have in some areas. So, so let's just try this. 
So I started talking to the Lord about socks, and you would be surprised at the time you're about to put on two different socks, and the Lord talks to you about it. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But because now it's cool to wear two different socks. And B, I would drive my, my OCD mind crazy to have on two different socks all day long. I'll be sweating. But I'm dealing with this, and, and I'm beginning to get to where in the morning the Lord begins to talk to me about what he wants me to wear and different things. And, and I think it's trivial. I'm doing obedience, but I think it's trivial. And I, I finally I just say, God, why? What, what's the deal here? But y'all have heard me say this, but it's the truth. I began to understand that if I can hear him about which shoes to put on or which jeans to wear, I can hear him when my kids got a fever. I can hear him when my church people need me. I can hear him in situations that are much more strange. See, if you learn in the little things how to do things correctly, when the big things show up, what's in you comes out. Listen, if I pulled the curtain back on your life, even my own, I'm not, trust me, April and I don't have this all together, but if we pulled the curtains back on our life, when you're pressured, what's in you comes out. And you find out really quickly who you are when something begins to go against what you think it should. And it just begins to squeeze up out of you. But listen, I want to I I try to move forward in this. Let's go to Hebrews 5 and 8 real quick. Real quick. Matter of fact, I want to read this from the Amplified, so let me pull this Bible open. Hebrews 5 and 8. Cameron's, yep, Cameron's going to have it back up on the screen for you. And, and I just want to I just want to say a few things today. I really I know I say that every week and it becomes a lot of things, but I really want to try. Verse eight says this. I'm gonna read the King James first. Though he was a son, it's speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now we've heard that preached. If you've been in church for a while, you've heard that preached about Jesus' suffering and the things he went through. That is not what this text is talking about. If you'll read it in the Amplified, and let me get it pulled up right here. It says, although he was a son, he learned and activated special obedience through what he suffered. If you'll define that word suffering, in, uh, if you'll define it through the Greek and the Hebrew, it says this, that he learned how to walk this out by mentally submitting himself to the word. He got his mind and his human reasoning out of the way and had to learn. Jesus, listen, let me explain something to y'all. That mental struggle when somebody, or when I stand up here and tell you you have the faith to walk it out, and when I tell you you're the head not the tail, and your mind keeps telling you how awful you are and what you did last night, I'm not saying you shouldn't repent. However, I am saying that the reasoning inside of you is stopping the God inside of you. If you could settle into a place, Jesus had to go through this just like you are. The difference is, is he went through it and, and left it there. You're going through it every other Tuesday. Because I don't know if I can. I don't know. Nobody asked you if you could. His blood on you is enough. Nobody asked you to do anything but obey. Nobody asked you to do anything but say what he said. Nobody asked you to do anything but just settle into what he said, do it, and he'll honor it. That's how it works. Jesus had to deal with this suffering. He learned special, active and special obedience through what he suffered, which means he put, oh man, that word suffering is so thick in the Greek because it says this. It says, the absolute mental anguish of learning a new way to live. When you get saved, you come in and you're all excited, or you should be. Get baptized, you should. But the truth is, you have to accept what Jesus did outside of just going to heaven. 
I'm going to be honest with you, and I listen, I, I've got friends on Pentecostal side and Baptist side, and both of them hate me when I say this, but here's the truth. If we just talk about salvation just to get you to heaven, we're failing you miserably because you're letting this world beat you just I mean, you're just beat every way. You can't win. You can't have victory. can't have a relationship worth the flip. You can't talk to nobody. You're still angry. You're still mad. You don't understand life. You don't understand why am I here. And you get in frustration. You find yourself back in the same old boat you were in, but heck, you're going to heaven. That is not how you were designed to live. You were designed to be kings and priests on this planet and to become everything he called you to that when you understand when you're praying, you're supposed to be praying with the mindset that I'm here to get results. That you're not here to play. You were never as a faith-filled believer sent into a situation that you weren't there to affect it. Y'all walk into interviews and in situations. Listen, I try to use this even when I get pulled over by the popo. Like, Lord, you know I'm favored. Help me out here. You know what the Lord said? Should have been speeding. I broke the law, right? I tried, though. You know, that's kind of like my walking on water story. I told you about that. I tried. At least I have you. Don't be laughing at me till you tried. I gave it a shot, went right to the bottom, but I tried. But I know, if I, if I know anything in my life, I know I'm a son. I lost my father when I was very, very young, so I understood what it was like to lose something, and I understood what it was like to yearn for that. And when I came into the body of Christ, and I began to understand Romans, see, because I had this gift given to me when I got saved, and that gift outside of Jesus was called that I didn't grow up in religion. I was very blessed to not grow up in church. Now, those of you who grew up in church, I'm not knocking that. But what I'm saying is when you grow up in something, you begin to see things the way a group of people say it versus how God says it. And if you say it the way, if you say everything the way that group of people says it, you're going to become that group of people. That's not what God called you to. God called you to be like him. Amen. He called you to be like him. He called you to speak like him. He called you to think like him. He called you to release like him. He called you to see results like him. He called you to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He called you to speak those things that be not and watch them happen. Those are the things he called you to. But we use them in this altar up here to put on our show, but we don't use them out there because out there people look at us funny. And until you settle into the fact that you accept who you are. You're not called to be a spectacle. You're not called to be out there making a fool of yourself, but you are called to be a light. You are called to be the one that God can trust and that can use and put you in a situation that he's called you to. All God wants you to do is what he said. I told y'all last week this, you know, Jesus had to learn submission by subduing his human mind. <clears throat> and I said last week, what if, <clears throat> what if April... Line the kids up and said, I want you to go in your room. <clears throat> I want you to pick it up. I want you to wash your clothes. I want you to wash the bed sheets. I want you to take the pillow off. I want you to shake it out. Or if you send your kids, you're getting them down for the night, you have to tell them to go take a bath, and you have to tell them to actually turn on the water because if you don't, they'll just stand there and stare. You know, take soap. Wash. Make sure you have soap. Make sure you're washing your hair with shampoo, not conditioner, those kind of things. But then they turn around and look at you and say, wash me. But they're old enough to wash themselves which is exactly what we do to Jesus all the time. Lord, if you'll, just, if you'll get me through Monday, I'll get all the way to Thursday on my own. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He wants to be with you every day, but he wants you doing what he says. When you live a life where you're subduing your human mind and accepting what he has said, your life begins to change in ways that you can't even understand. 
And then when things begin to adjust, you let your human mind get involved. And then, you know, well, God's called me to be an evangelist. So you start learning about being an evangelist rather than listening to him. Y'all with me? Listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I, the, the last thing that Alan Bailey would have chosen was to be a pastor. When I first got saved, as a matter of fact, this was my mantra. Uh, somebody said something to me early on. I was spirit-filled, young, on fire, but very, you know, you know, had a lot of attitude still. People say, oh, you're called to be a pastor. And I would say this. There ain't no way I'd stand at the back door and thank people for coming to church. They ought to thank the preacher for preaching. I still believe that, but I've learned there's some tact involved. <laughs> I still believe, I still believe that you ought to be grateful you got somewhere to go freely worship. That you got somebody that'll teach you the truth. However, <laughs> you, you don't beat your chest and say, thank me. Thank me. This <laughs> is what I thought. The old you limits the new you if you let the old you in your mind all the time. You are not, listen to me, you are not what you've done. You are not the sum total of your failure. Your failure, your failure is just behavior. Your failure is the, is the full action of behavior without the word. But if you begin to put full action of the word in your life, your behavior begins to change. You cannot be a good Christian. You can only be a good word person. And as the word comes out of you, good Christianity comes out of you. You were never called to act right. You were called to be right. Amen. Some of y'all just trying to be correct. You ever argument you ever been in, you're correct. You may have a point you're correct on, but you're just trying to be right instead of being right with him. Instead of settling into a place where you know that he's talking to you and because he's talking to you, you can let peace enter in. And that's not always easy. That's not always easy. So let's, let's move on. Let me move forward just a little bit. Matthew chapter 14. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Y'all okay this morning? Y'all learn anything? Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And he sent the multitudes away. He sent the people away. Uh, when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, it's, I mean, it's past midnight, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now we hear a lot about Jesus calming the storm, but listen to this. 26, and when, Je and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and they said, it's a ghost. <laughs> They'd been with him all this time, but they were troubled. They thought it was a ghost, and they cried out for what? Fear. But immediately Jesus spoke and said, Be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered said, Lord, if it's you, uh, command me to come to you uh, on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat and walked on the water um, to go to Jesus, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink and cried out said, Lord, save me. Verse 31, and immediately the Lord stretched out his hand. Amen. Thank you for grace. Stretched out his hand and called him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And they went and got in the boat and the wind did cease. Now, I want to say this to you. Jesus on the water, Peter was betrayed by his mind. The spirit was connecting to the spirit. When, G, when, when, when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, See, when they first saw him, they said, oh, that's a ghost. 
That's flesh seeing the Spirit. Y'all got to follow me. When they first saw him, they were in a fleshy situation. They weren't praying. They weren't having prayer meeting out on the boat. But they, they were so caught up in, in what was going on around them that they, they didn't recognize who Jesus was. Well, they'd been with him all this time and they didn't recognize him. He was fully in the Spirit. You got to be in Spirit to walk on the water. I mean, I know y'all act all holy like y'all do that every day, but again, I tried. So it was flesh seeing Jesus and could not recognize what he was trying to do. And there's too many times in your life God's trying to get you to walk into something new, but you're so caught up in your flesh, you can't see where he's taking you to because you're too much you and not enough him. So when, they, when Peter began to see, wait a minute, this is something I've been near before, and recognize him immediately, spirit connected. Spirit of Peter saw the spirit of Jesus and connected and said, he can do it, I can do it, call me out there. Until the world came in and Peter started seeing what? Flesh again. That is every day of your life. That is, this story is not on here to get you to try to run across a pool like I did because I thought if I went fast enough, I'd stay up longer. That's not what this is about. This is about getting you to recognize that your job is to stay in the Spirit as much as absolutely possible. Not to be some freaky fruit and praying in the Holy Ghost, walking through Walmart, laying hands on pinto beans. That's not it. But to be so focused on Him that the, media, the reason He tells you, call this person, look, you're on aisle 20, go over to aisle 12, take 50 bucks with you, and sow it into somebody who's about to kill themselves because they can't buy food for their kid. Y'all, we got to get out of this selfish prosperity mindset. And we got to get over into the mindset of why we're really spirit-filled Christians. It's not to put on a show in this altar and roll around. Thank God for, for spirit-filled services. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is ultimately the day-to-day -day life of being in the middle of a football game, sitting around 150 people, and God show you somebody walking that you're supposed to go down there and say, God told me to tell you everything's going to be all right. When all they needed to hear was somebody connected to God. Somebody's spirit connected to spirit. Are y'all with me? Because if spirit connects to spirit, all the flesh, it, it don't mean, listen, people come to me all the time and say, I need you to pray. I need you to pray that, that I just be, all this, all this flesh should just die. Well, you dead then. You're always gonna be in flesh. The battle is getting past what your flesh says and hearing what he says. Y'all with me? Because when Peter connected spirit to spirit, think about it. It defies all logic that he could walk on water. All logic. It defies all logic that Jesus could. Most people can't accept that the Bible's true because of those things. Because they don't connect. They connect Jesus with something that their flesh doesn't understand. Their soul, the soul side of them, it's always trying to figure something out. Hey, I'm gonna make, make y'all's life easy. Y'all quit trying to figure it all out. Listen, I, April and I have been married over 20 years. I can't figure her out. Y'all think I can figure Jesus out? <laughs> and I got a manual. But the truth is, you're not designed to figure it out. You're designed to obey and submit to it. In aviation, there's something that we learn. Uh, it's called submitting to the maneuver. And... You can always tell when you're not fully submitted to the maneuver when you're turning or doing uh, dives or steeps because your body will move. Like, like if you're in a car and you go around the curve too fast, everybody starts sliding to the other side, grabbing it. You know, some of y'all teenagers laughing because y'all do that every Sunday and Monday and, and Tuesday. But you grab stuff to keep from sliding over. 
Well, in an airplane, it's completely, it's similar, but it's, if you're doing the maneuver correctly, even at 110 miles an hour, you never move. You're a part of that airplane. But if you haven't submitted to the maneuver, you're leaning. And that's when you have to be careful because your, your airplane's out of sorts and, and, and you're, you're affecting lift, you're affecting all kinds of things, and you don't want to do that. So you, you can kind of tell by that pull that you need to make some adjustments. Well, the thing about that is if you submit to the maneuver, you never feel anything. Oh, listen to me now. If you fully submit to what Jesus has to do with you and what he's telling you to do, you shouldn't live by your feelings at all. Doesn't mean they're not there. Does it, listen, there's four forces on an airplane that keep it in the air. Doesn't mean those forces aren't there. It means that you're submitting to a maneuver that's using those forces the proper way. What you have to do is get past what keeps biting at you to make you think differently than what Jesus said and settle into this is just what he said, so I believe it and I'm going to do it. Because he called you to be a doer of the word, not just somebody in a church in a small group. Right, listen, I'm thankful for our family here. I love our church. We're growing, amen, thank God. We're, we're, things are finally starting to settle in. We're a different church than most. We believe in a revelational foundation. But if you live your life by spiritual gifts or by flash or by growth, you're not living your life by Jesus. You have to live your life settled into the truth, not just what looks good. See, I've had opportunities, and, I, and this is where I just have to pull back the curtain. I've had opportunities at, at, at different churches, and I won't name their names, but uh, some of them in Tennessee and others out of state. Uh, these are huge churches, churches like Church of the Highlands, huge, got campuses everywhere. And I've got friends there that know what I teach and what I preach, and they're like, we need you. you you've got less than 100 people. We've got 2,000. Won't you come? I ain't called there. Flash does not bother me. See, I'm submitted to the maneuver. I know what I'm here for. See, I know if I make a move based on a salary or a group of people, I've made a move outside of the maneuver of what God wants me to do, and now I've put my family in jeopardy because I'm out from underneath the covering and the blessing. See, I think grace is real. Don't get me wrong. I don't think God's going to strike me dead. I believe grace is very, very real. However, I think your ears have to be open enough to understand that that grace is covering you while you're out of the wheel. Let's get back in. Now, God's trying to get us to a place just like Jesus where we're submitting through learning in the Spirit. Jesus had to learn this stuff just like you. Y'all, a lot of people get mad at me because they think I'm, I'm dismissing the deity of Jesus. I'm not. But Jesus was still in a human flesh with a human soul that had to submit all of those things to spiritual things. The point of Jesus, listen, he was not here just to die for you. He was here to live for you. And if you can understand how he lives... You can understand how he wants you to live. What he wants for you is not for you to be in tears. What he wants for you is not for you to be broken. What he wants for you is for you not your relationships not to be torn apart. He doesn't want all those things. However, he's got a road map of how to fix them. And that is the only way you're going to get completely whole is by doing it his way. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You can lay on this altar and cry until you bleach this black carpet white. That doesn't change. God cares, but he's only bound by his way of doing things. And somehow we, we think if we preach it enough, we can change. I, I was in a conference in, in a church, uh, and, and somebody had said something about some of the new movements and the way churches are now and, and different things being preached. And, you know, I don't, I don't can I say something that sounds kind of arrogant, and, and y'all just know I'm not being arrogant? 
Yeah. I'm trying. Ray. Ray, Ray. Y'all don't just get this everywhere. I mean, the church has settled into a place where it's hot chocolate whipped cream, ice cream sermons. And people are killing themselves going home. They're shooting themselves in the head because they're not getting what they need or they feel good while they're there. But do they? But do they? Now listen, I'm not patting myself on the back, I promise you. What I'm saying is we've built a place here where we can accept this kind of revelation. That's not just because I preach. That's because y'all pull more out of me than that, and I'm thankful for that. But the truth is, it really doesn't matter if it's me or anybody else up here speaking. As long as you have such a desire for revelation, you pull it out of somebody, and I'm finding out, and I'm so concerned about today's younger preachers because they don't have revelations. They have sermons that another leader in the church has written and handed to them. Well, I I think it's great if you're leading people to Jesus, but if you can't recognize spirit to spirit who it is you need to be going to and talking to and ministering to and helping, if you can't see that, then you're just like the disciples on a boat who just see a ghost. You're still in, in your little group. You're still okay. But God wants so much. God wants, listen to me, and it has nothing to do with your age. From, from these teenagers all the way, it has nothing to do with your age. It has your ability to hear him and have the boldness to go do what he said do. That's it. That's all he requires. And what we've done is we've dumbed down the gospel. We've dumbed down church. I've learned, no, there, is, there shouldn't be any judgment from this desk. But bless God, there should be a standard. There should be a standard, not a standard of behavior, but a standard of focus and a standard of hunger. All those things fix behavior. I'm meddling now. I'm yelling, aren't I? Y'all okay? Because the truth is, is when you really see him spirit to spirit, you can't not see how good he is. You don't have to convince people how good he is if you can just get them to see him spirit to spirit. If you see Jesus with your soul, you see a ghost, you see effort, you see something that doesn't make sense. But if you see spirit to spirit, you become the sons of God. And when you become a son, oh man, it changes everything. See, because it's the, it's the, the heartbeat. Listen, your son decides how the atmosphere of the house is. When a slave just cleans the house. See, we've lived life as slaves to the kingdom, missing that we've been called to be sons. Listen, if I have somebody, if I'm just going to be honest with you. If somebody's at my house, and it's happened before, say you've got a contractor at your house, laying tile, doing some drywall, you know, and they've got their little 12-year-old son with them. And then they're just kind of helping them, handing them, you think that's sweet, and Lord, how look, he's teaching this kid a good work. That's great. But then your 12-year-old comes running through, and your face lights up. See, because he's yours and that's your house. He's your son. The other one's just there doing something. God has called every person in this room to be a son. Not to just be here doing something. Not, not to just be here, not, not to just warm a chair, not to just be a tither, not to just run lights and sound and play. and None of that. He's called you to be a son. Somebody, and I've been preaching sonship for over 15 years now, but here's the simplicity of sonship. Sonship is seeing Jesus spirit to spirit. That's it. That's it. You see Jesus the way he is, and he sees you the way you are, and you may not have everything together, but you're going there because you're more spirit now than you are soul. 
And when you understand that, you get past condemnation. You do. You get past beating yourself up. You settle into it. doesn't matter what people think about me. I, listen, y'all, y'all, let me just tell y'all a little something about me. I don't care what you think. I love all of you, but I don't give a rip what you think about me. I care what he thinks. And as long as I'm what he calls me to be, you'll be all right. Right? 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 <laughs> Whoo, I got scared there for a minute. <laughs> But I don't mean that in such a way that you're not valuable because you are. Oh, you're all, you're all priceless. But he means more to me. Because if I can connect with him spirit to spirit, some little something I can say as a pastor can help you make it another week. Just something. Some revelation can change your life. My, my life was changed on one word, sonship. Completely changed. Underneath a desk in a, in a church, just crying my eyes out God speaks to me one word changed my life just one word you don't think he loves you that much he wants your he wants your entire being your children your family your jobs everything you want he wants it to be whole but he wants it to be whole in him some of us are asking God for things that aren't in him and when we settle into him and we see things spirit to spirit life begins to change amen Amen. Just stand to your feet with me. We don't have anybody playing this morning, and that's okay because they told me that I was supposed to hand, them, hand the mic over to them in just a few minutes. But I want to pray. Just bow your heads where you are. It's important to me that we don't.